is the Go Radio Football Show, hosted by Rob McLean, Davy Proven, and Marvin Bartley. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 well, the Celtic fans have been waiting a long time for big name signings. Then two come along at once. Former England goalkeeper Joe Hart was expected to sign up today. The arrival alongside him of ex-Hamilton, Everton and Republic of Ireland midfielder James McCarthy comes as more of a surprise. A pleasant surprise for the Celtic supporters, Davy Proven. Yeah, you've just got to hope that uh, James McCarthy is over his injury problems, Rob. You know, uh, he had a lot of injuries at Everton, didn't really become a first-choice pick at Palace, and hopefully Celtic are getting him at a time where he's over his injury problems and he, he can do them a ton. And I think the expectation is that Joe Hart will possibly play on Thursday night in Europe for Celtic. More on that to come. Meanwhile, Rangers kick off their European campaign at six o'clock, which uh, they hope leads them to the promised land of the Champions League. The first hurdle in the path of uh, the Scottish title winners is Malmo in Sweden. So 55 minutes away from starting there. Uh, Marvin Bartley saw Rangers up close at Ibrox on Saturday as they beat Livingston 3-0. Marv, will they get the job done tonight in Europe? Well, hopefully, you know, when the Scottish team's going to Europe, I think it's it's important that the whole country gets behind them. But yeah, they were breathtaking at times on, on Saturday and then they've rotated the team again. I think made six or seven changes just to freshen it up. And, you know, the team's just as strong as, as the one on Saturday. So it shows the strength and depth that they do have. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be confident going into this game um, 100%. Give you that team in just a second, if indeed you don't know already. All five of Scotland's European qualifiers are in action this week. Rangers and Celtic are at home next week. What size of crowds will be inside Ibrox and Celtic Park after live event restrictions were eased today? It's 5,000 without an application, uh, but the negotiations will continue towards uh, getting back to full house attendances, hopefully, Davey. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later, Rob. I mean, I'm a little bit confused about this. Is it the local authority who makes the call or is it uh, Holyrood? I think it's local councils, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I I, I don't see with a huge percentage of the population vaccinated and they're now talking about vaccinating youngsters as well. So hopefully Mm. we'll have proper crowds back in soon. And that's going to make a massive difference, oh, isn't it? If that can happen quickly for these return games for, for Celtic and Rangers, that, that's a massive game changer, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, even the small crowd at Tynecastle, and I'm still mystified as to why it was limited to 4,500, but there was still an atmosphere on the ground. And Ibrox as well, That you know, um, a decent crowd down there. It, it's a different sport with a crowd. Davey Proven, Marvin Bartley, Rob McLean on the Tuesday edition of the Go Radio Football Show. Rangers kick off at six against Malmo in Sweden. This is the starting lineup. Uh, the changes, firstly, Alan McGregor, as expected, back in goals. Philip Hillander in central defence. Borna Barisic at left back. John Lundstrom uh, made a difference when he came off the bench at the weekend. He starts. Scott Arfield is a starter as well. Scott Wright scored that cracking goal. Uh, and he's in from the start, and Cedric Eaton uh, starts in preference uh, in the central striking position to Fashion Sakala. So McGregor and goals, Tavernier, Goldson, Hillander and Barisic, Davis, Lundstrom, Arfield, Wright and Kent, either side of Eaton. On the bench for Rangers tonight, McCrory, Hogarth, Patterson, Bassey, Kelly, Hadji, Sakala, Simpson 
and Lowry. Well, you saw them at the weekend. Uh, very close, <laughs> Marv against <laughs> Livingston. Um, what do you make of those changes? No, I'm, I'm not surprised by by some of them. Um, Wright coming in doesn't surprise me at all. He came off the bench for Hadji pretty early on in the game and, and he was a game changer, really. You know, full of life, full of energy, getting the ball, demanding the ball, scored a fantastic goal. Um, the second goal for them outside of the foot, put it between two of our players and then just far enough away from the goalkeeper. So, you know, he he had to be rewarded. You know, with that performance that he put in, he had to be rewarded with a start today. Um, you know, the rest of it, Johnny Lundstrom also came on someone I played with in England and I spoke to after and, and he said to me, Marv, I can't believe how great Rangers is, you know, away from this stadium, the training ground, the facilities. And this is a boy who's played in the Premier League, by yeah. the way, for Sheffield United. You know, he, he came up here and he said, I was taken away by it. Um, you know, there was 23,000 fans in, in, in the stadium, I think it was, and he was like, and, and how great are the fans? And he's not seen it full yet. So, you know, he's got a lot to come. But no, Johnny came on and, and he was brilliant. You know, one he and gave two. Give him energy, didn't he? Yeah, and, and quality on the ball as yeah. well. You know, I think a lot of people just thought Johnny Lundstrom was a box-to-box player, but he does have an awful lot of quality on the ball. And him, Davis and Arfield in there, you've got a mixture of legs and then you've got the quality of, you know, Davis on the ball and Lundstrom also on the ball. But him and Arfield were giving fantastic legs in there. And, you know, I, I really do think Rangers will do well today. Davey, in an, in an idle moment uh, before doing the commentary on that Rangers-Livingston game at the weekend, I was just scribbling down the players not involved in the Rangers starting <laughs> eleven against Livingston. Yeah. So McGregor, Patterson, Katic, Simpson, Hilander, Barisic, Arfield, Jack, Lundstrom, Offabor, Wright, Morellas, Defoe, Eaton and Roof. Mm. Some wage bill they've got, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a colossal wage bill. I, I just wonder if there will at some stage be at least one or two heading in the opposite direction. Mm. I, I, I don't see how Rangers can sustain this long term, you know, having effectively two first teams. And, and you know, th- those wages have to be met. Yeah. Um, the big question, I suppose, would be, is Morelis uh, going to be first out the door? I, I guess they would want to keep him to try and get into the group stages first. Yeah. I heard Mark Weedy on last night's show uh, saying that his information was that Morelis was in up for staying, up for doing it right. all again this right. season. Um, so, um, you know, it could be that in terms of the the, the top line players, nobody's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, George Edmondson is gone. He he was expendable. I mean, Jordan Jones is going to follow him out the door as yeah. well, isn't he? And, Kamara. And, but, Kamara's another one yeah, that, the, yeah, that, that, a, that could go. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see how they can keep a squad of that size and no. keep them all happy and pay yeah. them all. Yeah. Um, you know, at a time when the... A lot of the clubs have been losing money hand over fist for the last 15, 16 months. Yeah. They just have that ability, Rangers, don't they? And they showed it against your team at the weekend, Marv, uh, as well, just to go through the gears. They did have a slump. You guys got into it. You kept it at 1-0 for quite a while and gave yourself some hope of getting something. And then Rangers are just able to shift things up again, aren't they? Yeah, and that's what good teams do. As you said, you know, they scored after seven minutes from a, from a set play and... That's one of the things, one of the ways you didn't want to concede. But as you said, you know, we did have a spell in the game and it's very, very difficult because we sat behind the ball. So for anyone, you know, any two teams playing in the same league, if one team's sitting behind the ball, it's very difficult to break them down at times and they were trying to move the ball. Then we did come into the game um, a little bit. But then, like you said, they went through the gears again. We went down to 10 men. You know, unfortunately, we made our three substitutes and somebody got injured. And then they just went, you know, they just went up two gears and, and scored another two goals. But... You kind of felt in the game, even if we would have got an equaliser, they did have another few gears to, to kind of go through. And, you know, as I was talking about here, the strength and depth in the squad, you've got great players coming off the bench, you've got great players that are not even in the squad. And you know, when, when you do have that shirt and you are starting, you have to be at the top of your game. And, you know, they're at a huge club like Rangers, so they'll be used to that pressure and they'll thrive underneath it, I think. 
Six o'clock for Malmo against Rangers. What does Steven Gerrard reckon to the opposition? I've watched a lot of Malmo. Being impressed with their team ethic, you know, the work rate, uh, the fitness levels. They're obviously well into the season now and have started the season extremely strong. So they're obviously going to be a confident team. I think the way they play, they can obviously play with a back four, but also change to a back five. So we have to be ready to whatever challenge comes our way on the night. So I think they're an aggressive team, especially at home. I noticed that against Helsinki, they came right out the blocks and pressed, pressed extremely high and were aggressive. So we're going to have to be really good in possession. We're going to have to be really good at playing through the press. You know, we need to make sure that we can go and hit Malmo's back four because if they're going to come at us very aggressive, we know where the spaces are to go and hit them. The Rangers players, Davey, will not be under-informed. I think we can assume no. that no. Uh, from just the detail that Steven Gerrard and, and his coaching team uh, and planning team go into uh, Malmo... Uh, unbeaten in seven John Dal Thomason is their, is their head coach they are the Swedish champions they're a point behind your garden at the moment midway through the season so that's a crucial phrase isn't it the fact that they are uh, halfway through the, the league campaign uh, Danish midfielder Anders Christensen is their captain they've got a Croatian striker both of these guys picked out by Gerard. Antonio Kolak uh, plays up front for them they're going to be no mugs and when you're competing at this level just two hurdles away from the Champions League group stages uh, you know it's going to be tough you know you're going to have to be at the top of your game Yeah and I, I do think the fitness aspect is significant you know they're, they're 13 games into the season they are fully match fit they're still fresh uh, they didn't play at the weekend they got a rest at the weekend so it'll be a tricky game for Rangers who are still getting up to speed I know they, they beat Livingston 3-0 I think they've fitness wise they've still got a bit to find and you know, Mamo certainly have an advantage when it when it comes to fitness tonight. How big an ambition, Marv, do you think this is Europe, the Champions League, moving up a level? Rangers have done really well in Europa for the last couple of seasons. Now it's a uh, up 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 on the ladder to to another level. How big an ambition in Steven Gerrard's head is this? I think it's the it's the next one. You know, it's the next one that he wants to tick off. I think it's absolutely crucial for them as a as a football club that they do get into the Champions League because then it opens up a pool to a whole load of other players. And also, you know, as Davey spoke about earlier with the wages that they that we're currently paying, that will be with one eye on getting into the Champions League because when you do get into the Champions League, the money you do get from that is absolutely massive and it allows them either to keep these players or maybe even strengthen the other side of it. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, this Champions League, getting into the group stage is, is, is the biggest thing for them at this moment in time. Obviously, retaining the league long-term, um, is what they'll be aiming for. But the short term, this Champions League is very, very important to them because, as I said, if I think they go out, then it will you know, mean that they'll probably have to sell one or two players um, to balance things out. But can they get, if they can get into the Champions League, I think they're better to strengthen the other side of it. And you know, that, that's massive going into you know, the long season that they have ahead of them. How are the pre- how are the pressures of management weighing on your shoulders? Do we have to treat you, <laughs> do we have to treat you with new respect now? Now you're the assistant manager of Livingston. No, I think I'm losing a bit of my hair, a bit a bit more stress. But no, listen, it's been fantastic. Um, I'm really really enjoying it. Um, the transition from player to to assistant manager was quite smooth. Uh, I think I had the respect of the players anyway because I'd been the captain of the football club and. You know, being a coach and being an assistant manager or manager is something that I've thought about for the last 10 years. You know, it's not just been the last six months. So I've immensely prepared for this. And, you know, going into it, it's, it's been brilliant. Um, you know, I've enjoyed coaching the lads and 
and going through stuff and analysing things and, you know, I, I hopefully I'm making a difference to them. There'll be a few shins recovering, Davey, I would imagine, <laughs> in the Scottish Premiership with the, the news that Marv is off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was looking at... David Martindale was very animated um, the, the weekend. Uh, how does it work um, in terms of input? Um, yeah, if you saw something in the game you felt should, you know, you should be changing... Yeah. Is, is David receptive to, to that or how, how does it work? Yeah, w- once he's calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very receptive to it. As you said, Davey's uh, at the edge of the technical area and sees things probably from a different angle to me and, and Dougie Imry. So if I do see something, then, I, then I'll go in and I'll speak to him uh, about it and then, you know, look at ways of changing it. So no, it, it works really, really well. Really well. And as I said, we, we all have different views. We all see the game slightly differently because we all played in different positions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully long term it can work really, really well. Do you get an interpreter to go with Dougie Emery as well? Yeah, <laughs> to just understand what you're saying. He doesn't talk enough to, to, to need one. Um, so no, at the moment yeah. it's been fine. No, listen, I did a course with Dougie, a, a football management course I did with Dougie um, a couple of years ago. So, you know, I, I met him through that. And then, like I said, obviously he came, came in to add a different dimension to the coaching team and and. It's going really well. I know that, you know, that listen, we lost 3-0 to Rangers, but it's a long-term project and we are seeing differences, you know, from training and even the way we played against Rangers. Um, I don't know if you watched the last time we played against them, Ryan Kent was constantly running through the gap mm. that we had between our right back and right centre half and mm. it was something that we identified. We mm. managed to close that gap up and I don't know, in the game, Ryan Kent was floating into other areas. We didn't really have the runners going in behind us like we have had previously against Rangers. Jermaine Defoe scored a wonderful goal from running off the back of one of our defenders. And that was one of the things we said. We had to be nice and narrow, allow the ball to the outside shoulder of our fullbacks, and then we pressed from there. And I, and I think they did it really, really well. Was it a 3-0 game? I don't think so. But once you go down to 10 men, you know, it, it's very, very difficult because you're already tiring with, you know, 15 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And then it's heartbreaking. You go down to 10 men and you think, you know what, we're struggling here. And they get two goals, 78th minute, 90th minute, and then everyone looks at it and says, oh, you've been beaten 3-0. But there was a lot of positives for us to take out of that game. One of the features of lockdown for me was uh, the opportunity to listen to Davy Martindale in action because when there's no crowd in, you hear everything from the touchline. Sometimes you would prefer that you didn't hear everything, but uh, you're going to have to go some to, to drown him out, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we're going to need a couple of full houses. But he's passionate. Yeah. You know, he's passionate. He's, he's a motivator and, and it works for the boys. You know, he, he's been involved in two top six, six uh, finishes the last two seasons so obviously what he's doing is working and as I said you know we've probably got me and Dougie are the, are the karma heads and you know Davey does what Davey does so as I said the dynamics work really really well and if we had three of the same people it wouldn't work you know we need three different people and that's what we have at this moment in time if you want to get involved in the football conversation you can do of course 0808 17 17 700 we're talking Rangers and that uh, lineup. I'll give it to you again just in case you've uh, switched on in the last 10 minutes or so McGregor Tavernier Goldson Hillander Barisic Davis Lundstrom Arfield Wright Kent and Eaton uh, Malmo against Rangers 45 minutes away we're talking Celtic of course as well, uh, because when the signings come around, they seem to come around two at a time. And uh, Joe Hart is in the door uh, today, the former England goalkeeper. And uh, James McCarthy is in as well. So in terms of uh, Joe Hart, he's 34. It's a three-year deal. X-Man City, five loans at Tranmere, Blackpool, Birmingham, Torino, West Ham. He went on to Burnley. And Tottenham hasn't featured an awful lot for Tottenham. 75 England caps and uh, arguably all of it overshadowed by uh, the shampoo deal that you had with Head and Shoulders, of course, Davey. <laughs> Certainly um, overshadowed by Lee Griffiths double at Hamden, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, let, let's let's be brutally honest here. He's Celtic are not getting the best of Joe Hart. They're, they're getting him for a reason, and the reason is that he's not playing in England. 
it won't be about money for Joe Hart. He oh. he will want to come up. He he will know how big Celtic is. Um, he will want to play in Europe with Celtic, and just experience the whole you know Glasgow thing. I'm sure that plenty of people who have been up here will, will be telling him what it's like the, the Goldfish Bowl, the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl. Oh. And although he's arguably past his peak, he's still an upgrade on what Celtic have, and that's the important thing. We'll talk more about Joe Hart. We'll talk more about James McCarthy. Uh, we'll talk more about Rangers in Europe as well right now because Scott is on the line from Clyde Bank. Hi, Scott. Hiya. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, all, all well, thanks. Are you excited about this game? Um, a bit nervous as well. Really? Yeah, I but you've got, you've got to be confident, surely. Yeah. Uh, of course, I. We the European ones in the past, you know, it's a tough one. What What are you thinking in However, terms? Of, what are you thinking in terms of a prediction? Um, I'm thinking one now, um, and I'm going for a different goal scorer tonight. I'm thinking, um, coming off the back of a couple of goals, I'm thinking. Sorry, just lost you there. You're thinking. Uh, Cedric Aye, uh, yeah. I mean, he's I mean, Stephen Gerrard. Marv has been uh, raving about him the, coming back with a whole new attitude. He feels more settled now, um, having had difficulties of trying to settle in during all the chaos of the last year or so. Um, and he's he he he, he's, he looks a he looks a stronger player, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely does. I think at times we forget, you know, when boys are coming from abroad and, and they're in the middle of the pandemic, and it, as Itin said, he wasn't able to go out and kind of interact with, with, with his teammates and, and, and try and make friends and stuff. It's very difficult for them. But he's had a fantastic pre-season. You know, I think he he knew what he needed to come back and, and how he needed to come back. I think he knew that Morales was going to be away with the, the Copa America. Um, so he, he was going to have the chance to, you know, play play the friendlies. And then it was his shirt to keep. And, you know, Stephen obviously trusts him enough to put him in today. He got a few goals in pre-season. And, you know, it's one of those things. If you perform, you're going to stay in the team. And, and that has to be the same for everybody. You know, so he he's earned his 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 uh, selection in in today's team, and as a young man saying, you know, hopefully he can go and get a goal. Yeah, and Scott, you're uh, obviously looking that you'd be delighted with that one 0 result. Rangers would as well, maybe even one one. Uh, they'd be happy with tonight with the second leg at Ibrox, and and just hoping that your team can make it into the group stages of the Champions League. Yeah, of course. You know, it's massive for the club if we could do that. You know, we've not been in the Champions League in a while, so. That would be something good. Um, obviously, tonight, the dynamic changed a little with no um, away goals anymore. Yeah. I think that changes the dynamic of tonight's match a lot. Um, as you know, I mean, we still obviously want to go there, get a draw, get maybe 1-0 and take back to Highbrook for a good result. Um, but it does change the dynamic in a sense. Thanks for calling and good luck to you and your team. It is uh, six o'clock, uh, 40 minutes away, less than 40 minutes away for Malmo against Rangers. Talking that, of course, on the show and talking uh, double dealing for Celtic today with Joe Hart and James McCarthy in the door. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Yeah, we're off and running with Rob McLean, Marvin Bartley and Davey Proven on the show. Uh, just about uh, half an hour away from Malmo 
against Rangers in Sweden. The third round of qualifying that leads, hopefully for Rangers, to the Champions League. There's a small matter of a playoff round to follow. And the Rangers team uh, tonight is McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Hilander, Barisic, Davis, Lundstrom, Arfield, Wright, Kent and... Eaton and uh, also uh, big news in the course of the last hour or so uh, we broke it a short time ago on the Go Radio Football Show on Twitter that uh, Joe Hart was coming but not just Joe Hart coming to Celtic James McCarthy as well it's a real uh, top double signing mentioned the details about Joe Hart earlier that's a three year deal it's a four year for James McCarthy who's 30 he grew up a Celtic fan played for Hamilton when he was 15 you'll remember on to Wigan and Everton and Palace 43 Irish caps and uh, both of them in the door and Marv a couple of good signings yeah, fantastic signings, top signings. Um, McCarthy, is, especially, I'm excited about. Davy spoke earlier about his injury problems, and and hopefully he is over them, so we can see the best of him. Um, I think him in there with Callum McGregor, um, Turnbull, Rogic, you know, Sorrow, whoever you know plays with those two, you know, I think he's gonna make a huge difference. I really, really do. I think he's a top quality signing, and exactly what Celtic need at this moment in time. I think your first reaction, Davy, was yeah, great, but where's the striker? You know, where yeah, are, where yeah. are the yeah. where's the cent another yeah. centre back? That that sort. But you know, there's going to be lots more to come, and I guess the more the merrier for Celtic. And and McCarthy does give them quality in that area, in the midfield area, and maybe takes a bit of pressure off Callum McGregor as well. Yeah, I mean, I, to be to be fair, I, I think Callum McGregor it looks as if he's enjoying the responsibility and the pressure. You know, I think he's he's playing out his skin at the moment. And again, I thought he was terrific at Tynecastle. And what I, I thought was a, a, a very decent Celtic performance, they just don't have enough at the business end of the pitch right now. Edward is still off it. And I think you could argue they need at least three strikers, another couple of centre-backs. Um, they're, they're just so short. And, you know, I, I felt so sorry for Ange Postacoglu watching him after that game I mean he, he must be tearing his hair out right now he wears his heart in his sleeve as well doesn't he and, yeah. I, and I think you get even apart from what he's saying you, you get from his tone of voice I think immediately after a match uh, where he's coming from I think he'll want to feel that he is being supported and the only way for the Celtic board to do that is to start bringing in players two have come in today Postacoglu will feel better about that and with every player that comes in he will feel increasingly better problem is if Rangers open up a gap and Rangers win the first Old Firm game. Um, you know, the, the league could be out of sight before it's really begun properly. Yeah, I mean, they're under pressure already, haven't they? They're, they're, having lost at Tynecastle, uh, they haven't won any of their three games so far. Uh, any prospect of qualifying for the Champions League has gone. And the, the fear of the Celtic fans will be that they drop down another rung. And it's not the Europa League, but it's the Europa Conference League. Yeah, you know, and, and that's not what they want. You know, they want to be in the, in the Europa League. And, and obviously, you know, as you spoke there about Ange, he wants the, the team to click straight away, but it's not going to happen. You know, you've, you've got a centre-half who's trained with the, the players for one day before going to Tynecastle. It's very, very difficult to do that. You know, he's been in isolation. He's playing in, you know, this league for the first time. Um, you know, the Scottish League is a physical league and he's only trained for one day and he's playing against players who've been preparing for this since the start of pre-season. So there's going to be a, an element of allowing these players to gel together and I think there has to be some sort of patience from the Celtic fans while this happens. You know, you can't expect it to be the Celtic of yesteryear and, and to click straight away. Everybody would love that as a manager, bringing in new players and it all clicks. But I think he is the right man for the job. Um, I think he is bringing in quality players, but again, it's going to take a period of time to gel but like you said they can't get too far behind Rangers whilst doing that mm. so there's a huge amount of pressure pressure on them as players and you know the players like like your McGregor's and your Forrest's who have been there and your Beatons 
they're going to have to make sure that this transition is as smooth as possible and they are picking up points whilst the new boys do learn the league. Did you have sympathy for Carl Starfeld? The fact he was just in the door, as Marv says, there was there was quarantine, there were there were there was travel, uh, there was very little ta- time on the training ground. He probably didn't know half the players' names, you would yeah, imagine. Yeah. Well, it's very difficult. Um, I've got to say, I didn't think he played well. <laughs> he didn't play well, Rob. No, I, I, no. I thought he had a, a poor game, um, and I hope that um, you know he gets he gets that out of his system pretty quickly. Um, but the fact that he's played for Sweden tells you something. He, he, he's not a dumpling. He, he's, he's a proper footballer. And hopefully Celtic can get him up to, to speed pretty quickly. This was Andrew Postacoglu post-match at Tank Castle. Yeah, I think in a front third, you know, at times, the quality of our play is, is lacking at the moment. Get into good crossing areas, good shooting positions, and uh, we're getting let down. And, uh, to be fair to the players, there's a little bit of lack of cohesion there. I mean, you know, I'm throwing them in there and, you know, they haven't really had a chance to settle as a group. But, you know, we should still be stronger at the end there not to concede. He's being very open and honest there, isn't he? Uh, lack of cohesion, lack of quality. These are big phrases when you're when you're into the rough and tumble of the season already. Yeah, but he's being honest. You know, as, as I said, you know, he'd have liked this business to be done a long time ago. He'd like to be in a Celtic manager a long time ago. So he had preseason with the players, and, and he can only be honest. He doesn't have a magic wand to come into Celtic and, and things are going to change instantly. You know, and, and there has to be a sense of realism about what's going on. And, and I think, you know, he is just that. He is honest. You know, he knows he needs players. He's came out and he said we need players. And he's also said there, listen, in the final third, things weren't clicking. But those players aren't used to being in and around each other. When you bring in new players into a team, um, I, th- I, th- I think the centre-half, two, in two weeks' time, he, he clears everything on, on, the, on the first goal. Because he goes in almost half-hearted tackle mm. and, and he manages to ride, the Hearts player rides a tackle and then obviously they score from it. I think in two weeks' time when he is settled and he has trained, you know, had a good 10 days worth of training within him, he cleans everything out. And these are the, the fine margins between winning and losing games. And, you know, unfortunately for Celtic, they're on the wrong end of it. But I expect them to have a strong season. Davy, the Celtic hierarchy will be hoping that signings like these today take the heat off for them, allow them a little bit of time to breathe. But... Um, should they be stand, should somebody in power like Dominic Mackay be standing up and taking the place of Ange Postacoglu at times yeah, in the last couple of weeks to answer all these questions that he's probably ill-equipped to answer because he is purely concerned with trying to get this team together with the one hand, one hand tied behind yeah. his back. Would, would you like to see better communication from on high in the club? Well, you know, if you if you consider the amount of supporters who bought season tickets last year, knowing they weren't going to get inside Celtic Park, I think the supporters deserve better communication. And Dominic Mackay, who's come in as the new guy, you know, the replacement for Peter Lowell, I, I thought, you know, that would have been a new start at Celtic where we would see more communication because Dominic Mackay talks a good game. He's got all the, the modern jargon, blue sky thinking, syner- synergies and all this. Oh, I love it. And Yeah, and I, I, I thought he would be a real conduit in terms yeah. of, you know, communication between the, the boardroom and the supporters. Um, I, I still think the boardroom are going to take a bit of heat. There's talk about a de- demonstration coming up this Sunday. Uh, I, I think the supporters will want to make a point very forcibly to the Celtic board that they have slipped up big time. Because it does feel as if Celtic are still quite a long way from putting a fully organised, gelled team on the pitch. I mean, the the you know it's it's a kind of it feels a bit scattergun at the moment. Celtic have been in decline for years, Rob, and they got away with it because they were winning the title in Scotland. But you know, if 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 you're Celtic, you should be measuring yourself in Europe. It's the only place that you find out how good you are, not by by beating teams in Scotland with 
much lesser resources. But they've been getting away with it because, you know, the 10 in a row was on, the supporters were buying into that. And now that the 10's gone, people can see, you know, just how poor the, 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 the team has been over the years. I mean, if you look at some of the teams who've beaten Celtic, um, you know, from Maribor, Ferns Faris, AK Athens, um, Sparta Prague beat them 4-1 home and away. Um, you know, for a club of Celtic size, that is just not good enough. And now, now they find themselves in a position where they're already playing catch-up with Rangers, bringing in players at, at the wrong time in terms of out of desperation rather than, than buying from a position of strength which allows you to dictate prices. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, uh, Joe Hart, did you say got a three-year contract? Three? Yeah, three-year deal. And, and Young four, McCarthy. Four years from four McCarthy. Year deal. Well, his agent has been in the wonderful position of, yeah. of saying to Celtic, one-year contract, two-year contract? No. He'll get a four-year contract or he's not coming. And that's, that's what Celtic are up against as well now. They're not in a position to call the shots in negotiations for players. That is, the prob- that is a problem, isn't it, for, for Celtic, that everybody knows they're desperate, not just for one player, but maybe double-figure number of players. So all the agents of European and world football are basically ramping up their, their price tag. Yeah, that's what agents do. <laughs> no, matter, no matter what, that's what agents do. And, you know, listen, Celtic still have the, the pick of the players that, that, that they want. I, th- I don't think their pool of players that they had to select from has shrunk that much that they are desperate for players. But I agree with what Davey's saying. When Joe Hart, if it had been two years ago, you know, they'd have said, well, we're giving you a one or two year contract and he would have accepted it. But he knows he's in the position of strength now. And I do get that. But they're, they're still making they're two good signings. You know, Joe Hart, let's be honest, he hasn't played... I don't think in the Premier League for the last two years, but he's a very experienced goalkeeper and he's somebody you know you can put in goal and, and you can trust. You know, it's it's just what he has left. You know, as a goalkeeper, you don't play for that period of time and then you're coming in and being a number one. It's very, very different. But, you know, you don't play that many games for England and that many games in the top flight if you're not a good goalkeeper. So, you know, they, they have made solid signings. They do need more solid signings. I, I totally agree with that. But it's, it's going to take time. You know, you can bring in five players tomorrow and it doesn't mean come the weekend that that team's going to have gel because it's not going to. And this is what I mean about Ange possibly coming in earlier. And I understand the Celtic fans' frustration with the hierarchy because, you know, the Eddie Howe saga went on for far too long. Then, obviously, they did get Ange in and then he had to quarantine and stuff like that. If that could have all been, you know, three or four weeks earlier for him, it would have given him to this time during pre-season to make these kind of signings to gel the players and then you go into the first game against Hearts you know hitting the ground running but now they're doing it during the season and it's very very difficult because you're you know up against a rampant Rangers at this moment in time How good does Joe Hart have to be Davey to be a significant improvement on what Celtic have got at the moment? Well he he doesn't have to be particularly good to be better than than Barkas does he let's be honest Um, and you know Postacoglu effectively ended Barkas career when he, he left him out for the second Michelin game Yeah um, because that, there's no way back from now. And obviously with Joe Hart coming in, his agent will be told to find him a club. But, you know, getting back to the point about Dominic Mackay, Dominic Mackay, for me, should be saying to the Celtic fans, look, we're trying to get players in. We do have scouts that we can trust to identify players. Um, be more open about the director of football role. Has, has that gone now? Or do they still intend going down that line? Supporters want to know these things. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want a closed door, a closed boardroom door in their face. They're entitled to know who is working on the club's behalf to improve the football team. Yeah, they're getting great communication from the from the new head coach 
who wears his heart in his sleeve yeah. and 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 tell tells them as much as he can possibly tell them. But you do feel for Ange Postecoglou, whose mood seems to go up and down depending on what is happening either on the pitch or maybe in the background as well. And in a sense, Marv, he, he's been hung out to dry to, to, to have to deal with questions that shouldn't really be aimed at him, but should be aimed further up the, the food chain. Yeah, sometimes I think in his answer when you say he seems frustrated, I think there's a sense of frustration from, like you said, he's not he's not being backed by other people coming out and answering these questions. You know, the media constantly, he's he has to go in front of the media. That's it. As a manager, you have to go in front of the media. So they're directing all the questions that they want to direct maybe at the hierarchy of Celtic, but they don't, Yeah, they're not allowed that interaction. So then he has to deal with it all. And he doesn't even know the answers to some of the questions. You know, sometimes he says, I just don't know. You know, all he's worried about is the players that are out there on the pitch and bringing the new players in to strengthen the team. I think he did an interview the other day and he kind of alluded to that he wasn't getting the backing that he wanted. And maybe that's forced Celtic, you know, the hierarchy's hand with these two signings today because he's saying, listen, I need more players. Mm. It's that simple. I need these players. But yeah, it's difficult as a manager. But listen, you come into Celtic, a huge football club, and you have to be ready for the for the media at times. And I think he's dealing with it as well as he possibly can. And he's been as honest as he possibly can. I think there are big questions remaining as well, as you alluded to there, Davey, about who's doing what? Who is running yeah. all these departments within the club? Who is heading up recruitment? Who is the director of football? Well, there ain't one at the moment. Does Ange Postacoglu pick the director of football? Is somebody else going to pick that? There's all sorts of of questions that the fans have and they just can't get them answered. Yeah, I, I think the most important thing is recruitment, Rob. And, and I, I dare say Celtic will have scouts they can trust throughout the game, not just in, in Britain, but throughout Europe as well. It's not just a case of, of agents throwing names at them. They, they will have people they can trust in terms of their judgment of a player. Um, but, you know, it's just a strange one that they announced this route they want to go down, director of football, head of recruitment, and here we are months later mm. and nothing has happened. Yeah. And Postecoglou being unable to bring in his own backroom uh, team, which again is another one, a strange one for me, Marvin, that you bring in a guy from... And I, I understand where he would want to have people at the club who are familiar with Celtic and Scottish football, but a manager always wants to bring in a right-hand man he knows and he can trust. Yeah. And, and so far he's, he's without one. Yeah, and you, you do look at the well-oiled machine uh, and you were alongside it on Saturday, that, that coaching setup that Stephen Gerrard has surrounded himself with really good people. And you, you get it, That's as much of a team as the one on the pitch, it seems, at Rangers. That's not the case at Celtic. Yeah, exactly. You speak about Rangers there and Stephen Gerrard understands the dynamics of the people he's brought in. He's worked with them before. He, he's handpicked them himself. So he knows whatever weaknesses he has, somebody else is their strength. So, you know, on all fronts, the Celtic, um, sorry, the Rangers backroom team are strong on all sides. When And he doesn't even know his backroom team. Yeah. So, you know, they all three of them could have the same strengths, but also have the same weaknesses. So that's not going to work as a management team. And, and as Davey says there, as a manager, I think it's it's so important that you, you do bring in at least one, at least an assistant yeah. manager. But I'm thinking, you know, as, uh, when you go into Celtic, a coach maybe your analyst, you know, goalkeeper coach maybe. He, he needs these people because, as you said, it's just as important as the, the team on a pitch because he might want to coach in a certain way. He might want to play in a, in a certain style, but the coaches aren't capable of doing it. I'm not saying that that is the case, but as a manager, you want to be able to handpick them. It's almost like when Celtic went from Brendan Rodgers to Neil Lennon. It's chalk and cheese in terms of how they are with managers. So you talk about recruitment. The players that Brendan would have wanted and the style that Brendan was playing in is totally different to the one that Neil Lennon was playing in. And, and now it kind of... This is why they are where they are because I think that that transformation from from those two was wrong. 
I think it was, you know, Neil Lennon's a fantastic manager, but he's so different to Brendan. When you have a director of football, you know, this is the, our philosophy. This is the way we want to play. Brendan Rodgers and, and Neil Lennon are totally different. Mm. So whoever made the decision with, with that one, I think got it wrong. And, and that's why they are where they are now. And, and Andrew trying to sort it out. But yeah, his backroom team, he needs to be able to sort that out. And you know, that's the most important thing at this moment in time. And then obviously the players on the pitch. But will he be able to bring in his own people? I don't know. Maybe Ange found out what happened to Eddie Howe's request uh, <laughs> uh, about a backroom team uh, and uh, rethought his whole there, plan. There's another one, no explanation about Eddie Howe. He's still, he's still out of work, are, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's still out of work. Supporters are still completely in the dark of what that pursuit yeah. of Eddie Howe yeah. was, was about and, and why it ended. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. Absolutely not. More questions than answers on the day Celtic did that double deal. Joe Hart and James McCarthy in the door. Rangers kick off uh, against Malmo in Sweden in not much more than 15 minutes. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Marvin Bartley and Davy Proven with me, Rob McLean, uh, for the next hour and a bit. The first 45 minutes has flown in as per uh, Rangers kick off in Sweden. Uh, against Malmo in just over 10 minutes time and uh, looking for a place in the playoff round and at that stage if they get there they would be just one hurdle away from the group stages of the Champions League if they get through let's get ahead of ourselves why not uh, it will be Olympiakos or Ludogorets uh, next in that playoff round and it's a it's a big week for the Scottish teams in European football um, as well as Malmo Rangers tonight uh, Thursday night for Jablonets, the Czech team against Celtic. That's a 4.45 start for uh, Ange and his team kind of get their first win of the season or even uh, getting the sort of result that keeps the tie alive uh, going back to Celtic Park where there might be a sizable crowd if they can get the relevant approval. Uh, it's Galatasaray against St. Johnston on Thursday night as well. That's at 6 o'clock. Breda Bleak uh, versus Aberdeen, that's a nice Landic opposition for Stephen Glass and his side kicking off at 8 o'clock on Thursday. And Hibs against Rijeka, the Croatian team. Aberdeen have come up against them a couple of times in recent seasons. Uh, they will be more than decent, you would imagine. And the first leg is at Easter Road, Davy. The, the big games keep on coming. It's a really busy phase of the season, isn't it? It's really exciting, yeah. though. And, and, and we're just hoping that not just Celtic and Rangers, but the other Scottish teams can get the business done as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say these games come too early for, for most of our teams. And you know, that's why it's important if they can get through the first round even. It buys them more time in the training ground. They get a couple of league games under their belt and they're, they're, they're better equipped. Got to say, Hibs, that's a tricky one. Any side mm -hmm. from Croatia is going to be decent and they've proved that against Aberdeen in the past. Hibs, though, are well equipped, aren't they? They, they withstood uh, a couple of pretty sizable offers um, midway through last season, Marv. Um, and presumably those same clubs or other clubs might well come back in for the likes of Porteous and, and Kevin Nisbet uh, as well. But if they can uh, keep hold of them, they've got a good squad. Yeah, no, they, they have a very, very good squad. And I think, you know, with Josh Doy um, looking like he'll be leaving the club for, you know, the, some of the figures that you're hearing, if, that, if that's the case, I think... Is it, it, is it going to be five million? Yeah, well, I've had four and a half million, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, whether the rumours are true or not, I'm, I'm not sure. But Jack Ross came out and said, listen... He, a bid has come in or something's very, very close to being done for the young man. And I think by selling him, it allows you to keep Martin Boyle. Um, you know, I know he did have a buyout clause, whether that's still active at this moment in time, I'm not sure. Um, Nisbet, for me, at the weekend against Motherwell was fantastic. You know, I think he showed all the qualities um, in that game to show people that he can go on to be a top, top 
you know, centre forward. And, you know, obviously when he was calling to the Scotland squad, I hadn't seen that much of him. You know, I've been obviously concentrating on my own football, but everything he showed on, on, on Sunday was absolutely fantastic. Dropping into the 10, how intelligent he was. Um, and I, I think him and Martin Ball, they're absolutely key. You have to keep hold of those two players. And I think if you can do that, it's a fantastic transfer window. We, we were just saying at the weekend, Marvin, if you're Celtic, you, you've got to have a look at Nisbet. And I know you're saying it's important Hibs keep him, but yeah. you know, I, I think it'd be a terrific signing for Celtic. Yeah. yeah. I wonder about Josh Doig as well, yeah. to be honest. Maybe the price has gone now to a level where, where Celtic wouldn't be able to compete. Uh, but he's a top young Scottish player. He's got height as well, for, uh, for uh, much taller than Greg Taylor. Um, well, he's at an age as well. You yeah. know, you're going to get yeah. your money back for him. Yeah. Oh, um, and more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. The Rangers team, by the way, in case you've just joined us on the show uh, that kicks off against Malmo in about 10 minutes' time, less than 10. McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Hellander, Barisic, Davis, Lundstrom, Arfield, Wright, Kent and Eaton will be right across uh, that game in the course of the rest of the show. We'll be uh, with it through the, the first half. We're talking Rangers, but we're talking Celtic as well. And the two deals that they've got done uh, today with James McCarthy coming in along with uh, Joe Hart. Let's talk to Ryan, who's a Celtic fan from the Talk Scottish Football podcast. Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, Hello, well, Ryan. well, thanks. Are you pleased with those deals today? Yeah, yeah, it's good to get two deals over the line. It's good to get two experienced heads through the door as well. Bring the bring the team a wee bit more leadership. Um, I think that's been lacking over the past couple of games. Um, yeah, Hart's been like well, both players have been linked for a wee while now, so I'm, I'm glad yeah. we've got them both done and and through the door. I think I'm a wee bit more excited for um, McCarthy, I would say, than Hart, but I think the two of them will do well at Celtic for sure. I mean, you could be cynical about both, Davy. I guess, couldn't you? Because you, you could say Joe Hart's barely been playing um, in the last year or two yeah. while he's been at, at Tottenham. Um, and James McCarthy, his deal with Crystal Palace came to an end. And they allowed uh, him to go. And in the summer, yeah, he, he was a free agent, basically. Um, you know, who wanted him? Who wanted him down south? Well, Celtic have moved in and, and they've signed him. But yeah. but nobody's going to complain if it works out. No, and you, you could be cynical and, and make that point. And you'd be right to, to say they're not exactly, you know, in demand down south in the in the Premier League. The, the question would be, though, can they improve the current Celtic side? And both can, I think. Yeah. You know, both both can improve Celtic. And that's it's one, one step at a time for Ange Postecoglou at the moment. And he's got two time-served professionals uh, McCarthy's also got a feeling for the club, which yes. I, which I think is good. Um, and yeah, yeah, they're, they're an upgrade in what, what's there at the moment. How disappointed were you, Ryan, on Saturday night with what happened at Tynecastle? Oh, it was it was an absolutely gutting performance. Um, it was it was really annoying because we had the majority of the ball and we put the ball in the back of the net. That maybe a decision that should have stood, but um, after seventy minutes, you saw the you saw the the fitness levels just drop completely. I know Andrew Paul's been talking about the the level of fitness not being where he wants it to be. Um, and you saw that, you saw Hearts coming into the game the last 20 minutes and I was like, if they get if they get a set piece or a, a free kick or a, a corner, they've got a chance here. And they put in a good ball and it's a good header by Suter. But um, there was definitely question marks again over the goalkeeper with that one. But, um, yeah. I mean, we, we did dominate possession, but it, it was just one of those games that just, it, nothing went our way, it felt. It's an unacceptable recurring theme, Marv, isn't it? The conceding from set pieces. It, so a lot of the Celtic fans like Ryan will be saying, here we go again. Yeah, and it's, it's something that they need to, it's almost like an Achilles heel for them, um, you know, from, from, from last season. And it's something that they need to get right. Um, you know, hopefully Starfleet comes in and he's a leader and, and he can arrange them because a lot of things on set pieces is about talking. 
You know, it's about having a leader there and it's about having somebody of confidence saying, this is the line, this is where we're holding the line. Ball comes into your area, you attack it. Should, that- should, should, should they have been higher, Marvin? Or do you leave the space for the keeper to come and take and be as high as you can and, and leave that space? Or is it in a centre-half psyche that as the ball is about to be struck, you're going to drop? Yeah, well, to be fair, I think you know Scott Bain's positioning is probably a bit questionable as well because he's not the biggest of goalkeepers, so it's... it's it's very rare that he's going to come into there and, and catch the ball. Right. So I think Scott Baines' position, where you look where the ball's actually headed in from Suter, it goes into the middle of the goal. Mm. I think Scott Baines too far to the back to maybe think, right, this is going to come in here and I'll be able to come and catch it. But also, you know, your Beatons, they, they have to be there and they have to be aggressive with it. You know John Suter's coming up from the other end and you know mm. what he wants, he wants to head of the ball. So you might not be able to beat him in there, but one thing you can do is get physical contact yeah. on him. He got a run at it, didn't he? Yeah, he got a run at it, he got a free header. It, it's not acceptable. You know, you, your centre-halves are there to defend and John Suter is the person you look at and say, right, he's going to be a huge problem coming forward. I'm going to deal with him. And that's the difference, you know. Like you said, I think they, they do need probably a few more leaders and Joe Hart will be in goal and saying, listen, he doesn't get a free header on the ball. He does not get a free header on the ball. Now, maybe they need that. They need that goalkeeper with that presence and that experience. But yeah, you know, they can't afford to be conceding from, you know, set plays like they were last season. These big games, Ryan, keep on coming for Celtic, don't they? I mean, we were just speaking about it. It's that, it's that phase of the season where you don't really get any respite. Um, Ange Postecoglou is still piecing his team together. He's bringing in, he's brought in a couple of pieces today. Will they be available on Thursday night? Well, we'll find out. Maybe Joe Hart will play. Not so sure about James McCarthy. Um, but these these games have to be won. Otherwise, you're going to go from the Champions League qualifiers to the Europa and then maybe the Europa Conference League. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not really an ideal sort of situation for him to be in, but at the same time, if, if, if he works it well enough, then he could get a couple of wins under his belt and then everything will be rosy. Um, I, I think a lot of the fans aren't really um, sort of getting... They're not criticising the manager at this no. point because they know that he's got a, he's got a really, really he's been dealt a really really tough hand. I can't, I can't think of a manager in the past ten, fifteen years that's had a tougher gig than that at Celtic yeah. um, in terms of the the revolving doors of players and even even yeah. coaches as well that are still there that, that were there last season. But I, I want to ask you, Ryan. I want to ask you. Davy and I spoke about this earlier in the show. What do you think about communication from the top? Not from Ange Postecoglou. You can't really fault him because he puts himself up. He he's, he seems to be in front of a camera every other day at the moment, in front of a microphone. But what about the hierarchy? Mm-hmm. What about Dominic Mackay or Dermot Desmond or or one of the power brokers at Celtic Park to explain what went wrong with Eddie Howe? Why they waited so long and it didn't happen? Why they were so late with Ange Postecoglou? Uh, why they gave him so little time to build a team? Yeah, I, w- I would like maybe Dominic McKay or someone even higher up than that to come out and explain what happened with, with all that. Because Eddie Howe deal. The problem with that was we were waiting two or three months. Um, that two or three months, Ange Postecoglou, if he was the first pick, could have came in and sorted his squad out earlier. Could have been with the players earlier, um, and we wouldn't really be in such a, a terrible position with with the sort of players being at different points of their, their fitness and um, a lack of fitness as well but it's it's one of those ones that we've just got to get behind the team now um, it's, a, it's a difficult job for them but it, it won't help if the fans get on Ange Postecoglou's no. back so we're all, we're all still there I would say I would say the vast majority of the fans are still there 
Um, and we're just hoping that we can get started on Thursday and then we can bring it in on the Sunday. Yeah, Ryan, good to speak to you. It's Yablonets uh, against Celtic on Thursday. It's Malmo against Rangers in just a few minutes' time in Sweden. It's a massive match for Steven Gerrard and his team. Kickoff is fast approaching. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Yeah, give us a call. Join the football conversation. Uh, the game is underway in Sweden. It's Malmo against Rangers. Uh, three minutes in and Malmo nil. Rangers nil as uh, Steven Gerrard's team look to get off to the ideal start in a European adventure that they're hoping uh, leads on to the riches and the prestige of the Champions League. It's something that's been a, a target since day one. The first challenge was always to get European football back from a Europa League point of view. You know, the challenge here was to always finish top of the league at some point. We managed to do that in, in spectacular four form last year um, and that's given us the opportunity to qualify uh, there's still a lot of work to do Malmo first and foremost we've got a lot of respect for captain's a fantastic player number nine's a fantastic player so we'll have to be right at it over the two legs to get the opportunity to get into the playoff first and foremost getting into the Champions League is not really the focus right now it's trying to get into that playoff round does it feel more of like a, a natural evolution for Rangers uh, to be getting into the group stages this season of the Champions League, having in a sense served their apprenticeship in, in the Europa and twice got to the knockout stages of that? And of course, last season, uh, twice going within 10 minutes of beating Benfica, who, although it was in the Europa League, are very much a Champions League team. Yeah, definitely. A huge, huge team. And, and Rangers were fantastic in Europe last season. But as Steven Gerrard said there, it's one step at a time. You know, we all want to be talking about the knockout phases, but they've got Malmo ahead of them, you know, tonight and and, and then again next week. So this is this is the game, the two games that they're most important to them. And they won't be any pushovers, Malmo. We were seeing in the first five minutes that they're a very capable team. And, and Steven Gerrard's obviously identified a couple of their players as being very, very good players. So first and foremost, it's important for Rangers to get through this. And, you know, worst case scenario for them, they want to be in the Europa League again, which is, you know, it's still a great achievement. But, you know, Rangers are just at that at that point now where if they can push onto the Champions League, I think it takes, you know, a huge club to, to, to another level and back where they probably belong. Yeah, you do get the feeling, Davey, that that's where Steven Gerrard sees Rangers is in the in the top one, the, the Champions League. Well, I think he certainly sees himself there, Robert. You know, I don't think he came up to Glasgow to just to win the, the SPL yeah. title. You know, I, I think it's the Champions League that will quicken his pulse. It's where he existed as a player for many, many years. And this is where I think he will feel he can really enhance his reputation because I think everyone has looked at what he's done in Europe so far, been very impressed. And he can embellish that reputation if he can get Rangers into the groups and do well there. Do you see here in the first five minutes or so a Malmo team who are up and running and midway through their league campaign? Still a bit of sparring going on, but Rangers started really well. They, they forced a corner, they, they had a free kick in a really good area, similar to the one that, that led to the first goal against Livingston at the weekend. Malmo managed to defend both, but Rangers had Malmo penned in. Uh, Malmo's starting to come into the, the, the game now, and, and fitness will certainly be an issue, um, because this, this Swedish side are right up to speed. Ryan Kent is a, a massive player for Rangers, isn't he? The, if you speak to Rangers fans and you ask them, who would be the last player they would want to, to be sold, it would probably be 
the Ryan Kent just because of his game-changing abilities. I know that you looked at what he does on Saturday in that game against Livingston at Ibrox, uh, trying, trying, trying to stop him. But easier said than done. Oh yeah, definitely easier said than done. And you stop him from doing one thing, and he floats to the other side and does something yeah. totally different. You know, he has so much ability. You know, a fantastic player with the ball at his feet. He's got the ability to run in behind. He squares you up one v one. He could create. And that's why, you know, Leeds were bidding for him last season. And, and, you know, Rangers fans who obviously watch him, you know, week in, week out, if they're saying that he's the last one they want to lose and they've got some fantastic players at the football club, it tells you just how good he is. But yeah, for me, Ryan Kent, he's, he's the one you're afraid of, you know. And when we're doing our analysts and we're, we're trying to set up to stop Rangers, it's, it's him first and foremost. And if he doesn't have the best of games, we've probably got two players marking him. So the space opens up for somebody else, you know. So he doesn't have to be always at the top of his game. He just has to be on that football pitch. And he does wonder, doesn't he, Davey? He, does, yeah. he has licence to roam around the pitch. If, he, if he's not having joy in the inside left channel, he'll just switch across to the other side. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's one you can pin down. You've got to allow him to go and, and find space and, and influence the game. And he can go either way. You know, when he takes the ball up to defender, defender has no idea where he's going. You know, he's got that lovely little step over thing. Um, and defender's never quite sure whether to show him inside or outside. He, for me, he's, he's Rangers' most important player. I know Morelis is the one who who gets the, the, you know, more often than not gets the goals, but Kent, for me, is, is their most important player. Helander was always going to come back into the team for the game tonight because Leon Balogun is suspended apart from anything else. Katic still on the on the way back after a long rehab. And Borna Barisic was always going to come back into the side as well. Calvin Bassi deputised for him on Saturday against your team, Marv. Um, full of running. He's a real athlete, isn't he? but he would have to go some to be anywhere near as good Borna Barisic in terms of delivery. Yeah, yeah, no, Barisic's delivery is, is absolutely fantastic. You know, first and foremost, talking about Bassi and, and how he was um, in the game on Saturday. He says he's very athletic. He's got great feet. Um, you know, a number of times it came into him and, and we tried to press him and in one touch he's playing and he's going again. So his footballing brain's absolutely brilliant. Steven Gerrard was extremely excited when he signed him, you know, as a player. And, and on Saturday, I saw glimpses of the reason for that. Um, you know, he, he seems like he's too big to be a fullback, like almost like he should be a centre half. But as I said, he's got fantastic feet, he's got nimble feet, and you know what a great you know fullback to learn from in, in terms of Barisic, in terms of his delivery. So if Bassi can you know get some tips on the delivery that Tavernier and Barisic put on, put in the box, and he can add that to his game, it gives him another dimension. But no, they've got two very very good left backs there, and you know when we're talking about the Rangers squad, you want two good players for every position, and at left back they definitely have that. It seems as if Alfredo Morelos is on the way back finally to to Rangers. Um, I think come gets back maybe this week sometime. Um, gets himself back to to sharpness again. But he he's a player who had he been available would have been massive for Rangers in a match like this yeah. because uh, he's almost better away from home than he is at Ibrox yeah. at times. He occupies defenders and he's got that quality as well. I mean, how many goals have we seen him scoring on the on the counter attack in Europe? Yes, it's the variation of goals as well. He scores headers, scores with, with both feet. Um, and he can come towards the ball as, as well as go long. He's, you know, he's, he's got it all, Morelos. Um, and, you know, if you're getting service of the type that, that Barisic and Tavernier provide, it's a good time to be playing through the middle for Rangers because the, the service from either side of the pitch is top class. Have you sensed a change of tone from Steven Gerrard? Because it doesn't seem so very long ago we were listening to that clip of him saying, I don't know where he is and I don't know when he's coming back. Yeah. Now it seems to be that, that he is on the way back and he is still very much part of, of Gerrard's plans. Yeah, I, listen, I, I could be completely wrong here, but I did get the impression that Steven Gerrard was far from happy that mm. the player wasn't, wasn't back earlier. 
Um, you know, and, and you wonder what kind of nick he's going to be in. He only played for nine minutes at Copa America. Oh. He's been in quarantine. Um, it, you know, it could be it could be a few games, you know, a couple of weeks before he's up to speed, ready to start. Is it difficult, Marv, at times striking that balance between giving someone like Morelos a little bit of freedom and cutting him a little bit of slack, but actually um, pulling down the, the 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 levels of discipline and and the 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 whole team thing in a dressing room that you do too much for one player that you're not doing for everybody else. Is that is that the danger here? Yeah, but I think there's there's got to be a, a sense of understanding from other players. I sympathise with Morales a little bit because, you know, yes, he's played in the Copa America and rumours are that, that, that he went home, but I wonder when the last time he actually went home and saw his family. Mm. I, I wonder when that was because, you know, a lot of people will, will point the finger at him and say, oh, you know, he, he, he should have been back earlier and why is he... You know, why it's taking them so long to come back? We've been in a pandemic. You know, a lot of these people are pointing the fingers at him, go home to their family every night. You know, my family are down in England and it's nowhere near as far. I can drive down to them. His family are, you know, the other side of the world. Mm. So if he does get close to them, sometimes, you know, you have to look at it as from one human to another. There would have been a massive draw for him to go home and see his family. And yes, listen, I'm not saying it's right. If he was meant to be back at Rangers Football Club earlier, then, you know, I totally understand it from their point of view. Maybe you could have said to him, listen, can I have a few more days with my family? Maybe they allowed him to do that and then he's gone over that mark. But it's very, very difficult. You have to think he's a young man. You know, he's away from his family. There's been a pandemic. He's not been able to see them. You know, this is the first time he's been able to see them maybe for 18 months. Let's sympathise with, with, yeah. with the man a little bit because it's very, very difficult. Some of us have struggled and we've had our families around us, you know, and he had not really had his family. I know he's had his partner and, you know, his immediate family around him, but, you know, talking about his mum and his, maybe his brothers and his cousins that he's not seen for a long time, you know, there's a massive draw for him to go home. So I do sympathise with him a little bit on this one. David, you're going to struggle with a crick in your neck shortly by look, <laughs> looking over your shoulder to try and see that screen, uh, which has the uh, the Premier Sports coverage of Malmo against uh, Rangers on it. It was in, on the big screen behind me until it uh, went off. If I had the te technological know-how to get this fired up again, I would, uh, I would do that for uh, Marv's got a remote, which no, is a I'm, worry. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm scared of turn off one the, of the other TVs. <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole power in the studio could be shut down shortly if Marv gets uh, gets loose on those, on those controls. But uh, yeah, we are watching watching uh, Malmo against Rangers about 13 minutes in and it's uh, still nil-nil. And they've just built up Rangers over the last few years, haven't they? Uh, a wealth of experience. This this ever-improving squad just seems to know how to handle these games. Well, particularly away from home, that was the point you made earlier mm. on. I think Rangers probably enjoy playing away from home as much as they do at Ibrox. Yeah. A bit different ball game this year, of course, because they have a crowd back inside Ibrox, which, which will help them. But... I think you could argue that their better European performances have come on the road. We're just looking at uh, pictures of uh, Scott Wright. He was looking to get a shot away from 25 yards. He was uh, denied and uh, he had a little trip on a Malmo player as he looked to atone for it. Um, well, he certainly didn't slip up when he set sight for goal on Saturday, did he? Just seen it kind of drop to me, obviously in the box, and um, just thought I just had to kind of feed it with the outside of my right foot in the back post. And no, I'm delighted it's gone in, but I'm obviously buzzing that we've managed to get the three points and start the season strong. What a goal it was from Scott Wright at the weekend. I know you weren't enjoying it, probably Marv, at the time, because it was the goal that kind of uh, removed any chance of you getting anything out of that game because it had been 1-0 for quite a long time, as we said earlier but uh, Wright was involved um, initially in squeezing it across to Ryan Kent you defended it well against Kent blocked a couple of efforts spun up in the air it dropped on his right boot and it was the sweetest of strikes wasn't it? Yeah fantastic strike um, as you said we, you know, we defended the first phase really really well and we were almost happy for, for him to be shooting from where he was because 
he couldn't put it anywhere else but where you know in that corner if yeah. to score and he's hit with the outside of his foot and as I said it's gone between two of our players just out of reach of the goalkeeper you know sometimes in football you have to hold your hands up and you say do you know what that, that's, a, that's a bit of quality and there's not a lot we can do about it as I said we've just gone down to 10 men also so hoping that that flies over we can calm the game down a little bit and we can regroup you know with the 10 men and then try and get a goal but you know this is the quality that, that Rangers have you know this is a player coming off of the bench and, he, and he's able to do something like that and as I said from our point of view there's not really a lot more we could have done and, and we hold our hands up and say, do you know what? That's a fantastic strike from from the young man. So, you know, it happens in football. You know, special goals do happen in football. And, and for me, that was one of them because, you know, this, as he said, the strike was absolutely magnificent. I think he's maybe surprised even Stephen Gerrard, Scott Wright, at the speed of impact that he's made. I, yeah. I think I think when he signed him um, in the middle of last season or, or towards the tail end of last season, he, you know, he probably expected some sort of bedding in process and just get him used to being at Rangers. But very quickly, he was battering on the door and he's got to the stage now where it's actually going to be quite difficult to leave him out. Well, I think the fact that he's starting such an important game tonight tells you he's already forced Stephen Gerrard's hand in many ways. Mm. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, I, I think Stephen Wright was, was bought as a long-term uh, Rangers player. And he's, I mean, he's forced his way into the side tonight. And certainly, in the evidence of what we've seen from him, he's, he's got a real assurance about him. He, he he looks as if he believes he belongs in that Rangers side. And I, I guess if it's between he and Hadji, or it's going to be hard for anyone to knock him out of that that side if he continues to play. Kevin Roof doing. can potentially play on that side as yeah, well, can't yeah. he? Yeah, plenty of uh, of choices and embarrassment of riches really for for Rangers. It's about sixteen minutes in in Sweden, Malmo nil, uh, Rangers nil. Everything uh, going pretty much according to plan. Rangers just looking to get a foothold in the game, and uh, they look to be getting better with each passing moment. It's a good-looking attack um, on the go at the moment, and they've won themselves a corner kick. Before the coverage started, we saw the we saw the Rangers players um, taking the knee. Um, both sets of players at Ibrox uh, obviously took the knee uh, on Saturday, and I know you were uh, very well impressed at how that that was that was all dealt with on, on Saturday, Marv. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic, um, you know, and. I think for far too long we concentrate on on the negatives. You know, um, I, I put out the tweet because I felt that it would make me a hypocrite if I didn't. Because if there had been booing, then I then I would have put out a tweet. You know, I've been at the forefront of trying to tackle. You know, the problem we have with kind of discrimination and racism at this moment in time. Um, you know, in a couple of days leading up to the game, I was thinking, please, you know, how is it going to be if you know we go down to do to do the knee and there's boos. You know, I didn't know how that was going to make me feel. And, you know, my only reference to fans being in the stadium and them having a reaction to, to taking the knee was when England had the project restart and, you know, the the, the players were booed um, in the championship and I think some of the Premier League. And then and then the Euros, you know, the England players were booed. So for me, this was the first game that we were going to have back in Scotland with fans in there um, with, with players taking the knee. So my only reference points were, you know, the boos I had heard from there and, I was thinking to myself, how how will I actually feel, you know, as a black man going down, taking a knee? And I've been very clear with the reasons I am taking it. It's not a political movement. You know, it's it's about equality. It's about, you know, the racism that people are facing online in society um, and then leaking now onto football pitches. Um, and, you know, it was a kind of a surreal moment because we had the minute silence and the referee then blew the whistle for for, for us to take the knee. And on the way down to take the knee, you know, I kind of closed my eyes and I was just saying, please, please, I don't want to hear any boos. Please, I don't want to hear any boos. But to hear the applause 
and to and to hear the cheering when we took it, I can't put into words how uplifting that was. Mm. You know, I, I genuinely can't. And 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 the people within the stadium who were clapping and and and, and cheering, I don't think they understand how uplifting it was. It was absolutely fantastic because I had prepared myself for the worst. I had prepared myself to hear some boos and then to be drowned out by cheers. But there wasn't a single boo. I didn't hear a single boo. And the cheering was loud and it was strong and, you know, the, the applauds were fantastic. And I don't think, for me personally, those people will never do a more important clap in their life or a more important cheer in their life. And genuinely, it was it, it, it gave me energy again at a time where I think with all that's been going on, it's been very, very difficult to deal with. And and that was a timely boost for me personally. And, I, and, you know, James Tavener did an open letter to the fans and I think that was absolutely fantastic from him and Rangers Football Club. You know, just to reiterate the reasons why players are taking the knee. And I think that got out there to the Rangers fans and they understood it. And listen, some of the people within that stadium might not have agreed with, you know, players taking the knee, but they didn't boo. You know, they were they were just there. Maybe they didn't, didn't say anything, but the other people who do back it, they applauded and they clapped. And, you know, as I said, you know, far too long when the minority boo and stuff like that happens it's all over the place you know it's all over it's the headlines it's all over social media so let's you know let's applaud the people who have gone out there and cheered and done the right thing and I think it was so important that you know I said it on social media and, and it should be covered by all the papers I don't know if it was because I don't actually read the papers but had there been negativity at Ibrox it would have been covered and yeah. people would have been speaking about it so listen when the majority of the people do the right thing I think you have to applaud them and, and that's what I did and, and you know I thank them from the bottom of my heart I genuinely do Well said you uh, and you've done a power of, uh, of great work yourself that was a real positive to start off the Scottish Premiership season uh, Rangers got themselves off to a, a winning start uh, as well um, they weren't exactly firing on all cylinders right through the game but you'd have to give Livingston a little bit of credit for the way they played as well 3-0 it was in the end as Rangers got themselves off to a winning start 0-0 it is at the moment in Sweden Malmo against Rangers 20 minutes gone The Go Radio Football Show Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from 5 And we're past the midway point in the first half in Sweden Malmo 0 Rangers 0 in the Champions League qualifiers it's the third round of qualifiers if Rangers can uh, navigate their way through the two legs uh, against Malmo they will be into the playoff round and that is just one tie away from the very lucrative we're talking tens of millions of pounds here uh, stages of Europe's elite club competition Davy, Davy Proven how are they doing so far? Yeah, look very comfortable at the moment. Ryan Kent uh, getting down the outside here, decent ball into to the box, and and Mam will get it away. But you'd have to say Rangers have been the more impressive of the the, the two sides, Rob. But I did worry about Mamo's superior fitness, but Rangers have decent control of this game. Have Rangers grown, Marv, in the course of the first twenty five minutes in terms of just getting adjusting to the the game? Yeah, I think they've, they've begun to feel their way into the game, and as Davey said, there and now you know starting to take over. Uh, the important thing is that Malmo are still dangerous, so you know Rangers can't go too gung ho. Listen, they don't need to win this game today. I think you know they get back Malmo back to to Ibrox and it's nil nil. You know they'll be happy with that and they'll be confident that they can then go through. So it's a two legged thing. You know they don't need to attack too much, and I think you know Malmo are now trying to hit them on the break when they possibly can. So we're talking uh, Rangers and a crucial night for them in terms of their European aspirations and uh, we've been talking Celtic quite a lot as well uh, since coming on here at five o'clock because of that double deal that was done today by 
Celtic the signing of Joe Hart and James McCarthy and the Celtic fans will certainly be celebrating the arrival of a new goalkeeper because it's been a big problem position for them and I think it's only been exacerbated by the situation on the other side of the city where we're watching him in action tonight how many times has Alan McGregor pulled off a massive save on a night like this for Rangers? Yeah, so often. I mean, you could argue he's saved his best performances for the European games. Um, just a big occasion keeper. You know, when you need your keeper to make the, the big saves at the vital moments, he's your man. And that's that, that's really something Barkas has never done. I can't I can't remember a really outstanding save no. he, he's made that, that got you thinking, wow, he's... He's top, he's top class, you know. He's, the, he hasn't done it. The one we'll probably remember, uh, the moment we'll probably remember in terms of Vasilis Barkas is the one that flashed over, over the top of his head and, yeah. and he seemed to withdraw his gloves from against Mitchell and, yeah. and uh, that's probably the that's probably going to be his parting shot, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think even from the first Old Firm game he played in where he lost a, a poor first goal to Conor Goldson's header. Um, he, he's, yeah, he's just never looked to part. And again... Celtic supporters entitled to, I think, to know who scouted him, who recommended him. Yeah. You know, who, who thought he was worth £5 million? Was, I mean, was Stevie Woods, would he have been involved in that decision-making process? Just, no, nobody knows, Rob. That's, that's he'll, not thing, want to be, he'll not want to claim it, that's no, for sure, if, if he was involved. He'll be washing his hands over big time. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in Joe Hart, they've got someone, yeah, he, he's not at his best now, but he'll certainly be better than what Celtic have. Yeah, and that is the point, isn't it? It's it's about finding improvement for Celtic at the moment because it's urgent, Marv. It's not as if they can wait a few months and find wait for the right keeper to become available. They want somebody who can come in right now, do the job, not not just from a, a, a shot-saving point of view, but from an organising the defence in front of him as well. Yeah, I think that organising side of it might be more important you know you speak of McGregor there and Rangers conceded so few goals last season um, but it wasn't like he was just standing in the goal and not getting any shots at times he's pulling off world-class saves I remember the game they played against Hamilton um, away and he was absolutely fantastic you know absolutely and any other goalkeeper in the league's in there not him then Rangers lose that game you know and some of the saves he was pulling off were, were absolutely brilliant but as you said speaking of Joe Hart definitely I think that experience you know the level he's played at I think the communication is going to be absolutely massive for them you know, we talked about uh, Celtics maybe Achilles Hills in terms of the the set pieces. Um, you know, you hope Joe Hart's communication can can help rectify that. And as David said, you know, if he's got you know a little bit left of, of what he did have, you know, when he's playing at the top top level, then Celtic have got themselves a good goalkeeper. You know, obviously the worry when you do bring in players is that they come in and settle straight away. But he's an experienced man. You know, he's not 21 years of age. He's 34. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. And I think he'll bring an element of calm to that Celtic defence. The football conversation goes where it goes on this show. Uh, Malmo nil, Rangers nil in the Champions League qualifiers. Best part of half an hour gone. But let's uh, change direction at this point. Ryan, a Celtic fan, joins us on the show. Hi, Ryan. How you doing, Rob? Yeah, How you very, doing, guys? Yeah, Hi, thanks, mate. How are you? I know too bad. Listen, I know Celtic have obviously the couple of signings today, um, Joe Hart and James McCarthy, but I think it's just a wee bit too little, too late, and it's not really going to serve us. It's not going to do anything for the Champions League because we're already knocked out of that. No. So basically, my point tonight is: Have the guys ever known any organisation in the world who can regress so dramatically in such a short space of time from such a position of strength? It has been spectacular, Davy, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, this board of directors has had. Uh, an advantage that no board 
in the history of Celtic Football Club has enjoyed over Rangers and they've managed to somehow managed to blow it. And I, I, made, I made the point here at the weekend, Rob, nine years ago, Rangers were kicking off the season at Peterhead. They were doing the rounds at Elgin and Annan. Celtic were in the Champions League beating Barcelona and getting through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. Now, how, how Celtic have managed to flip that advantage to into a position where they are miles behind Rangers, God only knows. And the people who are responsible for it are the people in the boardroom. We're not hearing much, Ryan, from the people responsible for it, are we? No, and that's another thing that's really irking the Celtic support. You know, Celtic back, the Celtic fans back the club last season when we knew we couldn't get, get to a game. We've done it again this season. We were promised change, and there hasn't really been change. As a Don McKay's came in, but to me, he just seems a bit of a patsy. He's, um, Lowell still seems to be running the show. I don't know. Lowell seems to still be, be working in Celtic in some capacity. And for, for the main man to still be there while the new man's trying to set his stall out, that did fill me with a lot of confidence. I don't know what you guys think. Is it complacency, Ryan? Is it, you know, did, did Celtic have a feeling of entitlement? Did they think that the success was just going to roll on without actually working no. at it? No, I think we're, we're the biggest club in Scotland, so I don't think we're entitled. We, we, we should be winning the league every year. You know, uh, Rangers are a, a relatively new club. They've only been in existence for since, since 2012. So, you know, we, we are the biggest club in Scotland. We're the most uh, successful. So you really we really should be be racking up titles, racking up trebles. And for whatever reason, the board seems to think that we had to let Rangers back in. We need a, a strong Rangers in order to keep Scottish football appealing, which I just think is farcical, if I'm honest, especially when people are putting their hard-earned money into the club. And we demand success and we, we, were, we were promised change and we've not really got change, have we? It's the same old, same old. It's a good, it's a good point Ryan makes, though, that you know how, how can Dominic Mackay who is the hands-on man who's supposed to run the football club, how can he do it if Peter Lawwell is still there? Mm. Um, you know, where, where do the lines get blurred? Or what is the remit? What is Dominic Mackay's remit? It's a good point he makes. Yeah. The we, other side of that, though, in, in terms of, you know, any big business when there's a there's a change at the top, you talk about transition and, you know, that maybe, you know, Dominic's come came from, you know, Scottish rugby. You know, I understand that he does understand football to a really high level. He's really, really good at his job. But he's come from Scottish rugby to Celtic Football Club. So, you know, maybe there's an element of that he needs a little bit of nurturing, you know, and maybe that is why Peter Lawwell's still in there. I'm, I'm just, you know, playing devil's advocate here. I don't mm. know. It could be something totally different. But you look at a lot of the big businesses around the world, when there is a change, normally, you know, the, the old boss, so to speak, does stay there while the new one comes in and then after you know, three months then it does change over completely so you know, maybe that's what's happening at Celtic Parks Celtic have had a lot of success by the way you know it's been kind of one season where you know Rangers have won the league back and you know Celtic haven't been great at all you have to understand that but before that they had nine years of you know winning back to back trophies and, and winning the Premier League yep yeah, sorry go on Marvin with all due respect last season was diabolical you know yeah. we like we spoke at the start in my point we were on such a position of strength and we seem to have just completely imploded last season the fans you know the boys in the Ramseed bus spoke about it every single week that we needed change since since October with Neil Lennon but yeah. the board dug their heels in you yeah. know despite the fans the, the people that were putting their money into the club they, 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 they kept Lennon in charge despite us and that's there's a real disconnect now and until until that board is toughed out, you'll never get that back at Celtic because they've made their bed and they need to line it now, unfortunately. 
That, that's a dangerous word for Celtic, isn't it? When when disconnect starts yeah. to be used by the, well, the, the supporters. Celtic supporters have already removed the regime previously, Rob. Yeah. Although some of our listeners will be too young to remember that. Mm. But, you know, the, the fans have the ultimate power. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you look at... You know, I'm surprised that Peter Lowell is still at the club. You know, going back to... I mean, how, how, how could they possibly um, mess up the signing of John McGinn, who was desperate to sign for Celtic? And even to, you know to the to the the present day, Jack Henry gets sold on the cheap to Ostend because of a a poor deal there. Um, Ryan Christie being allowed to run his contract down. I mean, these are basic things that that Celtic have have managed to muck up. And you know, for, for me, Celtic, yeah, they did have a lot of success, uh, a lot of success, but predominantly at a time where they didn't have any opposition domestically. Yeah, and the team as I've been pointing out for a long time, has been on the slide for a long uh, a long time. Brendan Rodgers himself said it, the team was in decline. Mm. And famously said before the AEK Athens game, if the board can't meet my ambition, it will be terminado. Yeah. And sure enough, Brendan Rodgers walked because the Celtic board wouldn't match his ambition. Uh, and look at the state the club is in now. And Ryan, Neil Lennon was firing off the, a warning shot a year ago, wasn't he? At this time, a year ago, uh, when Celtic went out of the Champions League qualifiers, saying that there were players in the dressing room that didn't want to be there. Um, some of them are still there. And the, the feeling is that they're going to go, but they haven't gone yet. Um, th- this period of transition continues, doesn't it? Yeah, but Neil Lennon came out and saying that just wasn't the best man management, was it, to be honest? You know, if, if he's got players, he's got to try and get the best of them. Neil Lennon should never have been in the role. Neil Lennon was put in the role because Peter Long knew that he could then run the club how he sees it. But Lennon wasn't the same pedigree as Brendan Rodgers. Um, and that, that's what's happened. We've, we've regressed. We're, we're sports science and we're, we're analytical kind of side of things. Everybody, it's, it's quite open. It's, it's regressed dramatically since Lennon took over. Um, and that was something under Rodgers where we were building. So if, if we're going to act like a Europa Conference League club, if Wall is going to behave like that, then that's what we're going to find ourselves in. We've messed up the Champions League four years in a row now. So, really, Wall needs to get so far away from Celtic, it's unreal. Um, and and I'll be honest, I probably regret renewing my season ticket because it's just the same the same old garbage you get year in, year out. Do you, do you think you can be too loyal and faithful to Celtic in, in terms of renewing and you and I other fans I, as well and, and actually saying everything's I, okay because we're buying our season tickets? 100%. I think the Celtic board, the, 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 the Tory cabal, as I would call it, um, I think they exploit the loyalty of the fans. And if you look at Loyal's kind of salary and bonus package, it totally... It's ridiculous and it totally outweighs what you should be getting as a football chief executive um, and what he's delivering on the park. Because we're a Champions League club or we should be a Champions League club in stature and he's not delivering that. So why should he be rewarded in any kind of financial package? David, you spoke about people power, the days of Brian Dempsey, the the, the rebels of one and all that that sort of stuff. But um, it doesn't... The fans can be too supportive, can't they? You know... Ryan supports Celtic and he wants to be a season ticket holder and there are tens of thousands like him. Um, but the, the, the problem is they're, they're throwing money at Celtic yeah. as well at a time when most people are really unhappy at the way the club's being run. Well, that, that's, that's why I have no problem with the, the protest you know, that, that's going to take place this Sunday. I, I think the supporters should make their voices very clear. Um, remains to be seen whether the board take anything on board or whether they take any notice because there is an arrogance and a smugness about the Celtic board 
Uh, and it, and the Celtic find themselves in their current position because of, of complacency. And dare I say, directors who might be clever men but don't understand how a dressing room works, how a football how actually football works. Mm. I mean, Peter Lowell, for me, has had far too much say in football matters. You know, from the appointment of Ronnie Dyla to the appointment of Neil Lennon. Um, and as long as Peter Lowell is there, I have my worries for the club. Do you support that protest, uh, Ryan, on Sunday? Rob, 100%. I don't have a ticket for the game on Sunday because that's another ridiculous mess of major things. Um, with the ballot, some people getting two tickets, some people not had any yet. But I will begin down, I because I think you need to know that um, the ex- exploitation of our loyalty has to stop at some point. And, and what Davy says, I do agree with Davy. Sometimes I get mixed up whether Davy's a Celtic or Rangers man, but um, I do agree with what he says on, on the point of um, people protesting and law has to go. Um, and until law goes, then there is a serious concern about the progression of Celtic. Do you feel for Ange Postecoglou, Ryan, and the position he's in, the questions he's having to field? I think the guy, when you read about the guy, I think he's got the potential to be a top-class coach, but you need the backing. You don't go into a Champions League qualifier with that back four and a goalie whose arms are strapped to his hips. And and we knew that last season, and we didn't do anything about it. OK, we've signed Joe Hart today, but like I say, it's too late for the Champions League, and we'll get in with, with absolute nonsense to a goalkeeper and how we've ever scouted him and thought he was a goalie I, I, I will never know And do you think that that um, the squad can be repaired and the pieces can be put in the jigsaw puzzle off the pitch as well as presumably a few of those missing at the moment in time to be competitive in the in the title race will there be a title race this season? Well obviously I hope so and obviously next season it's automatic entry into the Champions League so it's massive but there's, there's, a, there's a real feeling that the board have written off this season. And I think that's, that's a disdain they hold the fans in. Um, they, they can just write off a season. Um, Lowell didn't care. Halfway through last season, they kind of wrote it off. Um, when Celtic fans, we still wanted change. We wanted to try and get the 10 last season. But they left it far too late. So for the Celtic fans, they want a title race. But I don't know if the Celtic board... Um, you know, can match that. Ryan, good to hear from you. Cheers, mate. Bye. All the best. That's Ryan, a very disgruntled uh, Celtic fan, uh, pretty pessimistic about what is coming up as he looks for his team to make a quick recovery, uh, not just in terms of uh, European football. They've got Jablonets in the Europa qualifiers on Thursday night, but uh, they've got a home game against Dundee on Sunday. They really need to win that one. They can't afford to let Rangers uh, get away. Rangers having won on opening day against Livingston. Meantime, Rangers in the Champions League qualifiers at nil-nil, four minutes away from halftime. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Rob McLean, Marvin Bartley and Davey Proven with you for the next... 15 minutes close on half time in Sweden Malmo nil Rangers nil and I think Steven Gerrard and his side Marv getting better all the time in this game yep they're growing into the game 100% you know they started maybe a little bit slow and Malmo were in control but for probably the last half an hour you know it's all, it's all been Rangers and it's probably um, you know when not if that they're going to score a goal um, that's the way it looks hopefully I don't, I don't put my mouth on them and then they concede so now Rangers are looking strong 
Pretty solid performance so far, David. Yeah, don't, they don't appear to be in any danger, Rob. There's nothing about this Marmo side that will have Steven Gerrard fretting and you'll feel that they probably should be ahead. This left centre-back just made a terrific block from a Ryan Kent effort. Um, and, and Rangers of the two look far more likely to score. Yeah, just the body language sometimes uh, gives it away as well. Just little bits of frustration creeping in as far as Malmo are concerned. And that's always a, a surefire sign that uh, the opposition is getting on top. The halftime whistle has just gone in Sweden. Nil-nil uh, and uh, a draw would not at all be a, a bad result. It would give Rangers every chance next week. Yeah, Rangers will, t- will take a draw if you offer Steven Gerrard a draw before the game. 100% going back to Ibrox and you know getting the fans back in and... and, and behind the team and, and the players again, you know, they'll take that all day long and, you know, I expect them to be, you know, more comfortably at, at Ibrox. It's just about not losing today's game, really. It would be lovely to think for the sake of Scottish football that Rangers can get to the group stages of the Champions League because that's going to do wonders, not just for their finances, but for the, well, the health of Scottish football, uh, Scottish football in the rankings, the coefficient, all the rest of it. It just gets us to, to a stage where teams have to go over fewer hurdles, Davy, in qualifying. Yeah, and it's also important, I think, that, that our, our bigger clubs, and I'm talking about Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, start doing well in Europe as well. I'm old enough to remember when they did actually um, and it's been a pretty miserable time over the last decade or so from clubs out with the old firm it would be good if they started picking up results in Europe and you know it's almost a new experience for them I mean there's, there's Hibs what was it their first third place finish in 16 years is yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah. you know getting into Europe and that's what lights the, the ground up European nights that's, that's yeah. what supporters you know live for that, yeah. those special European nights and it's great that it's back it's also a team that's evolving as well that, that that got to third place last season but want to be better, want to do better, want to, to win another cup competition, um, to bolster their position, to, to improve in, in European football. Raika is going to be tough, uh, but they are ambitious. Uh, we spoke about them earlier on. Aberdeen and Hibs look like two teams who who could uh, put, uh, put in a strong performance for Scottish football, Marv, this season. Yeah, they're two teams definitely going in the right direction. And, you know, just talking to Hibs there, they they bounce back twice, you know, after being behind at Motherwell. And that's, that's shown another side to your game because we all know it's easy to play football when you're winning games, you're one, two, three nil up. But when you're behind and you need your big game players to turn up and then they do, that's a great confidence because, you know, the two goals they conceded were avoidable. So that, you know, the defence will be very, very upset with the goals they conceded. But what they also know at the other end of the pitch, they've got game winners that can, you know, and game changers that can get them out of trouble. So, you know, um, I, I, I think Hibs will do well. Obviously, it's a very, very difficult tie for them. Um, it's about what they do at Easter Road for me. Um, you know, because when they do go away from home, it'll probably be more of a, you know, counter-attacking style, which probably suits someone like Martin Boyle with the pace that he has. Um, and in Aberdeen as well, you know, I watched Aberdeen, I watched both of the, the games they played in, in, in the previous round and, and at home they were devastating, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Probably got a few lessons to learn when they did go away from home because, you know, it could have been maybe 3 or 4-0 and then and then, and then you're worrying because mm. it's going into extra time if it is if it is 4-0. But Aberdeen, again, they look like they've, they've improved. Um, I think Stephen Glass has gone there and, and made a, a visual uh, improvement to them. And, you know, I think, I hope all the teams do well. St. Johnson's got a difficult tie with yeah. the Galatasaray they've got. You know, but yeah. but what what a great fixture that is for them, and I think if they do lose that game, they go into then the conference. So hopefully, we can get five teams in Europe somehow. How great would that be for Scottish football? You know, not bad for a pub league, is it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think there is a fair bit of optimism about Aberdeen. That, it, that, that, I think that game in Sweden, it's always that's always a difficult second leg to handle in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you the yes, job's yeah, done. yes, you want a five-one lead, yeah. but what do you, how do you play it when you are so far ahead in the game, and and I, and maybe it doesn't 
maybe we can read too much into what happened there. They scored five goals in the first game, as Marv says, at Pataudry. Uh They beat Dundee United at the weekend very comprehensively. Was that down to United being poor or Aberdeen being Well, it, it, was, right a, it was a bit of both. I would worry a bit for Dundee United this season. Right. I think they, they looked a bit flat. There wasn't an awful lot going on. But sometimes, you know, you have to give, give credit for, for what the opposition is doing. I think Aberdeen have sorted some problem areas. Uh, they've, they've now got your old pal Jet um, <laughs> swaggering around yeah. the place as he does they've signed a great number nine it seems in, in Christian Ramirez what's going to happen with Ryan Hedges not sure but they seem to have uh, good players in those attacking areas now and they're scoring goals yeah um, you know just, just touching on Jet there we're speaking you know off air about him and and his actual ability is... Are you going to say exactly what you said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, 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 is attacking ability is unbelievable. You know, he's one of the best players I've, I've trained with and played with. He was slightly unfit. Well, I say slightly unfit. He was very unfit when he came to Livingston. Um, you know, he began to get fitter and fitter. The games he played against Aberdeen, he was devastating. You know, it was no surprise to me that they signed him. And if they can get that jet, you know, that we had at the end of the season, you know, performing for them on a consistent basis, then they've got one hell of a player on their hands, you know. And obviously they've added more players to it. Um, also, you know, keeping hold of Ryan Hedges would be would be massive for them. Um, but you know, if the bid's too big, then you have to accept it. And you know, it's about being proactive. You know, you don't want to get caught on your heels. I think you know the way that Aberdeen are set up that they'll have a replacement for Ryan Hedges. You know, someone that will come in for him. They're not going to sell Ryan Hedges and be like, well, what do we do now? Mm. Um, but you know, I think Scott Brown's gone in there and, and, and made a massive difference. You know, all the experience he has. Um, you know, just sitting in there in that kind of number six roles and letting the younger boys go forward and play their game. And I think it's helped, you know, Lewis Ferguson as well because he's looked absolutely brilliant so yeah. far this season. And and by the way, give him a lot of credit because he's bounced back from a bid being rejected from Watford. You know, mm. a lot of young players would have, you know, maybe gone into a shell and thrown their toys out of the pram, you know, and, and credit's where it's due to him because he's gone to another level. Yeah. You know, and he knows, listen, if I keep performing, then the bid's going to get bigger. Yeah. You know, maybe Watford are saying, you know, we're not willing to pay that this fee at this moment in time. But the way he started this season... Now, Watford might come back and say, you know what, he actually is worth that figure. Mm. So, you know, credit to him. As somebody said the other day, um, the Aberdeen Commercial Department missed a trick by not putting a number two on Jet's back um, <laughs> as he as he cruises cruises through games. He used to be a defender as well. Do <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a weird story with Jet. Jet was a defender all the way through to under-20s. Um, and he kept saying to, I think Steve Bold was the manager at the time and, and Arsenal Menger was at the football club and Jet kept saying, I want to play up front, I want to play up front. And I think it was either Steve Bold or Arsene Winger said to him, right, you go out front in this reserve game and you need to score two or more goals to then, you know, continue as a forward player. And he, and he did it. So he's never looked back. But a yeah. couple of times he went centre-half for Livingston and training yeah. and he's a left foot. He's brilliant. That jet too doesn't quite get to the des- destination as quickly, uh, unfortunately, as the airborne uh, version. Calvin Ramsey is an exciting talent. Davey up at Aberdeen. He just turned 18 at the weekend. Yeah. Um, he's going to be difficult to keep out of the side. He's, he, he just looks unnatural. And, and I was just thinking, we in Scotland, we've bemoaned uh, the lack of a, a, of, right a of a right back to, to challenge Stephen O'Donnell for that position in the national team. Nathan Patterson is an obvious. And in his little cameos at Euro 2020, he yeah. showed exactly what he's got. I think Calvin Ramsey won't be far behind him. He, he could be putting some pressure on quickly as well. Forget the under-21 team. Um, this guy's got something about him, I well, think. Well, yeah, I, I like to hear that. You know, if... if um... Luis Enrique can trust uh, Pedri to go into the Spain team at, at 18 years of age. You know, too often we see the under-21 side as the the must-do apprenticeship. Uh, and I think you're right, if, if he's good enough, and I've still to see evidence of that, You, I know you're very impressed yeah. by him, but if, if he looks good enough, give him a chance. Same with Billy Gilmer, you know, who wouldn't have played at the Euros 
had UEFA not allowed another three players to be added to the squads. Yeah. You know, he, was, he wasn't going to feature. He'd have been watching the England game on television. Yeah. Instead, he was in there and he bossed the game. Yeah, and he's just one of these guys, um, you know, and we've seen them before, guys, 17, 18-year-olds, they come into the, the team. They know no fear, Marv. Yeah, exactly. That's hitting the nail on the head. No fear at all. You know, he goes in there, he's probably just playing each game, taking each game as it comes. He has that excitement about, you know, playing first-team football. And you said, you know, I've watched a, a few Aberdeen games because we play them next, and he, and he looks fantastic. You know, and I was very surprised when you said to me, he's just turned 18 years of age. And, you know, the future is bright for, for Scottish football. There's some, there's some hidden gems um, that are about at this moment in time. And I agree with Dave, you know, sometimes players do need to bypass, you know, the under-21s and go straight into the first-team kind of mix. And maybe we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because it's only a couple of games, but, you know, he couldn't have made a more an impressionable start. Oh, we love a sweeping judgment on this show, don't worry about it. <laughs> at, the, at the other end of the age scale, Chris Burke was an absolute star last night for Kilmarnock, yeah. uh, winning their opener in the Championship against the dreaded, uh, the deadly rivals from, from Air United. Uh, he, he's 37, Chris Burke. What a game he had last night. And, and the fact he stayed on... Um, it's a big boost to their hopes of bouncing straight back I think David to the Premiership Yeah and I mean he's, he's, he's not getting a game out of anyone's sentimentality no. he, he's getting a game because he's doing it week in week out just a great um, decision for Kilmarnock that he made to, to stay because I'm sure Chris Burke would have had one or two offers you know given the, the season he had last season Yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, looking ahead to this weekend, the uh, Dundee United Rangers Saturday lunchtime, St Mirren Hearts is a, a three o'clock and four games on Sunday with uh, so many of our teams involved in European football this week. Celtic Dundee Sunday, uh, talk of that protest, of course, Hibs against Ross County, uh, Livingston against Aberdeen Marv at uh, Ammonvale or the Tony Macaroni, whatever you prefer, St Johnston. Um, against Motherwell and the game we've been watching in the course of the show we're halfway through uh, for Rangers in Sweden uh, against Malmo um, and at this stage without taking anything for granted you would be feeling pretty confident for their prospects Yeah, I think Stephen Gerrard will be saying in them, uh, and to them in uh, half time you know, what a great first half we've had um, you know, we need to keep this up, keep the energy levels up, you know, keep the, the back door shut, so to speak. And then, you know, we take them take them back to Ibrox. So the important thing is for Rangers, just don't lose this game. You know, take a draw. If you have to take a draw, then take the draw. Um, you know, you don't have to go gung-ho for the win. You know, take them back to Ibrox and, and, and then win the game there. And a 90-minute game there at Ibrox, I, I fancy Rangers all day long. Let's hope for a good week in Europe, Davey, not just for, for yeah. Rangers tonight, but uh, the other four on Thursday. Sure thing. Um I honestly don't know much about uh, Jablonets, but um, it's you know given Celtic's current situation, they have to win that. That's simple as that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that stage of the season where a name doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, Austria Vienna were prospective opponents for Aberdeen, uh, but they're out and they're not the the name they they once were. Uh, Jablonets, though, anything will be a challenge for Celtic at the moment. But good news today for them uh, with that double signing of Joe Hart and James McCarthy. Halfway through in Sweden, Malmö nil, Rangers nil. Good luck to Rangers. Let's hope they can get the job done in the second half. And we're back uh, tomorrow. I'm back with uh, Barry Ferguson and John Hartson. And we're live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.